Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Jay, you also said, like Larry, this was on and off, that you could go years, you know, and I have to say that makes it more difficult to understand because because I know in my issues and the men that I worked with, you know, it was pretty consistent for years. Uh, it might be a week would go by or three days would go by, or there was never really a long, long period, like a year where I could say this didn't happen. And again, I say to you, Jay, you know, that makes it harder or more difficult to say, well, I'm an addict, I would think, because it goes away or it stops or, and I think of addiction as something that just never leaves you all the time. So was that the same for you as Larry? I think that it's something that always stuck with me under the surface. Yeah. Even though I might not have been acting out, you know, with other people, I might've been using recall and involved in, in other ways. So flirting, porn, uh, other ways that it might've shown up in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it just, it, it took different forms, it, but it also had a lot to do with the opinion I had of myself. You know, deep down inside, if a situation presented itself, even after seven, eight, nine years, I would have trouble uh, walking away. I would have trouble not listening to myself saying, well, this is just who you are. This is what you do, and you can't help it, and you deserve it. You know, so a lot of it is just that self-talk, those core beliefs. Entitlement is the word you're thinking. I deserve this. Exactly. And it's okay. And what other people don't know won't hurt them, which is probably the biggest lie in this whole addiction. Well, that moves us on to your relationship, right? Which makes me really curious. You know, you said my wife, you know, over and over again, I would beg for forgiveness. And I assume she said, and I won't do it again. And I assume that she either believed that or wanted to believe that. I guess my first question is how many times do you think she found out and forgave you and wanted to move on? I mean, how often was that a uh, pattern for the two of you? I mean, it happened at least four or five times where we had, a, you know, what at the time was a catastrophic event where I got caught. Can you define an example of that? You know, she would she would find uh, phone messages or you know check my telephone bill because she was suspicious. And the you know the partners know. You know, one of the one of the things that partners have is intuition, and and that intuition is a protective mechanism for them. That as an addict, you try to destroy 
over time mm -hmm. with all the gaslighting, the lying, you know, you use to try to protect yourself in your realm. Well, to protect what you what you're doing so you can keep doing Correct. it. Correct. Or that you can avoid the consequences of what might happen or lessen the consequences. I mean, there were many times mm -hmm. where I would, you know, I mean, I would try to tell her only what I needed to admit to to satisfy her so that she could move on. That was my goal. Yeah, I, I, you know about this, so I'll tell you about this, but I won't tell you anymore. Okay, you know about this, then I'll tell you about that, but I'll tell you there's no more. So this constant sort of drip, drip, drip of information, which I imagine for them is torture. Yeah, absolutely. And in the end, that's a, a big part of what got me into therapy because those staggered disclosures were, in my view, I felt like I was under attack. I felt like, you know, why does she need to know this? Why does she need to know how many times, where it was, all these details? Why did she need, you know, what is it that she needs to know? And she doesn't deserve to know. I'm the one, I'm the one who did it. I bear the consequences. And what I didn't really realize is she just wanted to know where the bottom was, right? So, so that she could deal with it. Because this, you know, once she did understand it, it essentially redefined not only our whole relationship, but our whole life in her eyes. And, and those tidbits that I would release or the lies that I would tell to make something sound better than it really was, I mean, I'd, I'd do it without even thinking about it. You know, I'd think I was telling the truth, and I wasn't. You know, I'd change a detail, and somehow, some way, she would know. It's really interesting you say that because having worked with hundreds of spouses of sex and porn addicts and men with intimacy disorders, what I hear all the time is, I just wanted the truth. I just wanted to know what was going on. All I needed was honesty. And I think what you're talking about is that they can then determine what their lives are about and what are they going to do and who they are and who you are. And, but until they have that, it's a constant questioning of what, what is real and what isn't real. And I've had spouses say, I don't know if anything we've ever had is real or anything we have now is real because I don't know what's really happened. And I, I also really want to add that I really like what you said about that they're in free fall. You know, they just want to know what is the bottom? You know, how bad is this going to get? And then they, you tell them this information. And they think, oh, okay, okay, that's what it is. I can begin to put my life back together. And they find out more and they're back in free fall and it just gets worse and worse for them. Did, and that sort of brings me to one thing with you. And then I, I want to go go back to Larry, which is, did you see what it was doing to her? I did. And she'd even tell me that this was uh, causing PTSD with her. And I was so focused on myself and so selfish about it that it wasn't until I got, you know, in, in front of a, a, a therapist who really knew what was going on uh, and really cared that I was able to understand uh, this situation through a different lens. You mean how she experienced and how it affected her? Exactly. You just sort of push that aside. Well, it makes it easier to do what you're going to do if you don't see how it's hurting the ones you love. Right. And if there, I mean, uh, if, if there was anything if I could, that I could change, it would be uh, to tell the truth and tell it faster. Because, you know, since we've, you know, had a therapeutic disclosure and gone through uh, the process, you know, I, I no longer lie. I don't I have to lie because I don't have any... I don't have any secrets anymore, you know, but it's like a, a double-edged sword. We have the, the damage that was done because of my behaviors, and then we have the damage that was done because of the lying, the uh, stonewalling, the gaslighting, and all of, the, all of those type of things. And it's been really, really difficult 
uh, for my wife to uh, recover from that. It's taken a long time, and there, and there are still remnants and reminders of that uh, on a regular basis. Larry, um, I think Jay said something that I kind of heard you, I can hear in the background here, kind of go, hmm. And so I wanted to go back to there, which is he was talking about destroying his wife's faith in herself yeah. and undermining her intuition and... I, you know, you kind of, kind of had a, you know, I'm a therapist, I listen to everything mm -hmm. and it sounded like you had some response to that for yourself. So I wanted to go to that with you. Yeah. It's pretty awful in hindsight. You know, we just, we, we are just so oblivious. We're so, I, I was, I was so wrapped up in, in just this little world that I'd created for myself where I have to keep everything arranged just right and keep everybody right where I want them to be so that I can feel safe knowing where they are and being in control. And, you know, as you were describing, um, you know, the, the life being in free fall and just wanting to know where the bottom is, I was just picturing mm. somebody walking blindfolded through like a dark room, just like mm. hoping they don't run into something, but knowing they probably will and, and just being completely helpless. And for an addict or for anybody who's trying to hide something or trying to keep their story straight or trying to keep control... Mm over any kind of narrative, you know, that that's where we, where we want people, whether it's consciously or, you know, subconsciously, we want them in the dark because that allows us to feel like we're in control. We're the keepers of the truth. And mm. it's a really sad way to find security. Larry, you know, one of the things that I hear so often in that, in fact, I think every spouse, male or female has said this to me, which is, or to you guys, which is, how could you love me and do this? How could you love me and at the same time do so many things to hurt me? How, how could you do both things at the same time? Maybe you don't really love me or maybe, you know, I, and so that question comes up, how could you love me and do this at the same time? And I'm sure you got that question and I'm wondering what your response is to it, you know, in this conversation. I think it's, it's just the ability that I developed from a really young age to compartmentalize my feelings from my actions or my, you know, the two lives that I developed at a very young mm -hmm. age and, mm -hmm. you know, having to hide everything, having to, to operate in secrecy with anything sexual um, from the very beginning, you know, there was always secrecy and cover up intertwined with my sexuality in every way. So it just became something that was just possible to put into a different box and, you know, keep these things totally separate to have this, this love and this relationship with my wife and uh, then have this other thing that flies completely in the face of that. Um, but it, for me feels separate. You know, it's interesting. And I just want to comment. The reason I named the program seeking integrity is because of the disintegration that you're talking about that I'm lead, leading to different lives. Or like Jay said, you know, I, I looked in the mirror and I couldn't feel good about myself because I knew I was lying all the time. And, and you're both talking about, I think in the healing process that you are one person, that there isn't anything that anyone would be surprised if they knew about you. Uh, maybe you don't want to everyone to see you in the shower, but if you said, I took a shower this morning, they wouldn't be surprised. Um, but if you said, well, you know, I was looking at porn for three hours today and I'm not going to tell anybody about it, that that's a completely, that's disintegrated. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So guys, I, I, I can't help but think that there's so many questions that people have and there's, and I really, really, if you, would you guys be willing to maybe have another conversation like this in the near future where we could just 
begin to delve in some other parts of this because you know this is my life's work and i can tell you that we could talk about this for a week but one of the things i guess so the answer is yes maybe you'd come back i would really appreciate if you'd be willing i would this has been fun sure and in the weirdest way possible (laughs) well you're giving people a lot of help and information that they need um and i think maybe you get to reflect on your progress yeah i'd be more than willing to do that dr rob i think that um if some of our experiences help other people that's something that uh, is important to me and helps our recovery without tooting my horn or you know really singing the praises of seeking integrity of the work that we do you know after 30 years and hiring the right people and doing the right work i feel pretty good about what we're doing so i guess i want to ask each of you like jay in going through that experience you know what did you get out of that i guess of sort of i don't want to say locking yourself up but you know went to this nice house you were fed you were taken care of you were brought back and forth each day but that's not the part that was you know meaningful and i guess what do you think you got out of going to a residential program that you weren't getting seeing a therapist or going to some support groups or what was the difference in that i think uh the number one thing is that it accelerated my recovery. So I was surrounded by people who were experts in the field. At the same time, I had peers who made me feel safe and not alone. And we were able to look at things objectively and kind of tackle it step by step, issue by issue. Uh, and then it also helped me uh, develop an aftercare plan that, that helped me realize that I couldn't do this recovery by myself. I needed a sponsor. I needed a, a home group. I needed uh, people with who I could share experience, people who could help me, and people that I could help. And that's gone a long way from trying, to, you know, from being in a position where I thought I could do it all my all by myself, fix it in my head. Uh, it helped me find my heart. It helped me connect my heart with my head. And I hope that it continues to evolve as it has, uh, because it's been, you know, four and a half years of sobriety and, and being present and being there for the people I love that uh, has really changed my life. And I, I, I never want to go backwards from where we've been. Yeah, you probably never want to go back either. No. <laughs> One time was enough. You know, I do, I, I really want to stop, but I, I, I know you and I remember you and I actually had hope that you would join us. and. One of the things I think I remember about you, and I, I want to say this very quickly, is that your children were affected by this. And if I remember correctly, it was hard for them to come to terms with you and your wife staying together or not staying together. They had all kinds of feelings about this. And I don't know whether she told them or how they found out, but you know, just really quickly, how, how did your children's involvement or understanding of this, or you know, what, what is a piece that you could maybe say about them? It did affect my whole family. Initially, I tried to, you know, play the chivalry role where I said, you know, support your mother through this. She's having a hard time and I'll be okay. I'll work it out. And they took that message to heart. And we went through, you know, a fairly significant period of time where either my uh, access to them was minimal to non-existent. And it took a while to be able to prove through actions, not through words, but through actions that I was taking recovery seriously. And when they started to see that, things started to improve uh, on all fronts. And now things, uh, you know, I've had a chance to make amends with them, been a pretty much of an open book with them, you know, to the right extent. 
And uh, we're probably, our relationships are probably stronger now than they were before. You know, I'm certainly more appreciative and more present. Larry, you know, I want to ask you the same question is, you might have gone to therapy, you might have gone to support groups, you probably did some of that, I think couples. What what did you get out of residential treatment or why does seeing integrity make a difference for you um, rather than doing those little pieces sort of along the way? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that it did for me is it gave me the the safety and the confidence to be open enough to have a clean slate, you know, with somebody. And from there, you know, once, once that slate is clean and I don't have any secrets anymore, you know, I need some guidance and some structure through the ongoing therapy and the aftercare groups and the community to help to build new habits and, you know, different things that are going to help me to maintain that clean slate. Cause why couldn't you get that out in the world? Well, I mean, maybe you could have, um, but you know, like with, with, with everything I do, I want to be impressively good at it. And sure. I could listen to some podcasts and read some books and, you know, do a little, uh, bursts of work, you know, after I get caught or after I feel bad about myself for a few months, but you know, I bet I rode that roller coaster enough times to know like, this is it. Like, how long do I want to keep going back and forth with this? before I just get serious, talk to the experts and actually invest in my recovery at the same level that I do in everything else that I'm into. And I like good service and I appreciate excellence and I'm serious about this. And I really, today I like who I am. And I, I saw that that was possible, honestly, through just the, a lot of the experts and the people that you had on this podcast and mm-hmm. this, uh, this, this podcast that we are currently talking on right now was my first introduction to seeking integrity and sex and relationship healing.com. And, you know, I was coming off of, uh, you know, doing it again and mm-hmm. letting her down again. And, um, you know, I did a search on the podcast app for the sex addiction. And I found this show and, you know, here we are. I I, I thought it was cool. And eventually, you know, I went in and started going to some of the drop-in groups that are available and, and checking in there. And I thought, Oh, this is good. This will be funny, you know, and had differing levels of success with that half-assed approach. And, you know, eventually just, uh, graduated deeper and deeper into the, uh, the other services that you guys offer. And, um, it's been, absolutely life-changing and i see myself differently now are you still in touch with any of the guys i mean after all these years are you uh or people who went there or have you maintained any of those relationships and then i promise we're gonna stop in just a second i'm gonna ask uh jay the same question i was actually just at seeking integrity in february of 2022 so it's only been about a year and a half for me and i am in touch with a lot of the guys or couple of them. I see them regularly on the alumni groups that we have that uh, are available to us. And, you know, I do feel like there's a, it's the best, it's the best recovery community I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of several, um, both locally and from a distance. And um, this is my favorite one. And it's, it's completely remote, which is something that I never would have thought would be enough, you know, or would be sufficient. But, you know, even my CSAT is remote. That's somebody that I, that I only interact with over video telehealth and it's been amazing 
Well, COVID, COVID kind of taught us that we could do this work um, yeah. in different ways that we never thought about. So what is something you'd want people to know that maybe we haven't talked about or that might encourage them or, you know, something you really wanted to say that we didn't touch on? It's more of a question. It's, it's, do you like who you are? And that answer is like, it's hell yes or no. And if it's no, like, how long do you want to live like that? Well, <laughs> it's really hard to follow that one. And Jay, you're going to be in in a serious uh, comp competition here. But the first question was, do you take, do you stay in touch with any of the guys? I mean, it's been a much longer time since you did this work. Uh, I do. I, I stay in touch with at least one of the guys that uh, was in my group. There were only three of us uh, initially. Yeah. Now we're sold. Now we have eight or nine or have to have a waiting list. But yeah, that was. That was pretty early on. Right. And um, so we keep in touch, both uh, text and telephone. Uh, and I also participate in the alumni calls each week. Yeah, I, I, I just want to say one more thing, and that is that the therapy experience that we have uh, at SILA is super important. And it's worth, you know, probably two or three years of individual therapy on a weekly basis. But the, there's another component, and that other component is working the steps through a, with a sponsor, uh, through the, you know, SAA program, you know, you can do SA, you can do celebrate recovery. You can even do AA. Uh, a lot of these 12 step programs have the same fundamental steps that you work through. And I, you know, I've, I've certainly been through the steps numerous times. Uh, and I, when I work as a sponsor with sponsees, one of the things that I do notice is that the people who come, who I work with who have been through SILA are light years ahead of people who are trying to do this on their own just through weekly meetings. It's uh, the weekly meetings are great. You know, there's a lot of support there. It's far more difficult to try to manage this thing once a week. You know, it takes immersion. Uh, it takes concentration and it takes a, a great start to, uh, to f find the road to recovery. One of the things I heard you say, and I'm going to ask you that other question and we'll stop is how important it is for you to do service for other people and to pass on what you've learned, whether it was us or you've learned it in 12-step programs or your own experience that, and, and I, I agree, I think, you know, we get to a point where we really need to pass on what we've learned and that that keeps us fresh and alive and focused. And it sounds like you've taken that up uh, as a part of your healing. Uh, absolutely. You know, all the, as we work through the steps, all of the things that I hear from other people are healthy reminders as to what it was like. Even the you know, the difficulties that they're dealing with in their relationships and in their relationship with other people and their relationship with themselves. It helps fill me with gratitude that those are memories for me and not the current situation. So what would you want to say that you haven't said or I haven't asked or that you want people to hear? Um, I think you're going to have trouble, you know, beating out Larry because that was, that was pretty profound, but it's not a competition. So what, what comes to mind? I think the biggest challenge in all of this is to somehow some way to break through the denial to break through the concept of trying to just get out of trouble just get through this and kind of the past is the past type of thing it's a process and you have to accept the responsibility that is consistent with uh, what you've done you have to take it seriously and you have to think about people other than yourself, even though you're doing this for yourself, it affects so many other people. Like, like I said before, it, the biggest lie in all of this is that 
What people don't know won't hurt them. They do know. Their intuition plays a role. Trust plays a role. And when you lose that trust with the people you love, um, you, you lose what really defines the relationship. Jay, Larry, um, you know, from my heart in the deepest place, I really, really appreciate your sharing your stories. And as I said, it's not about the program that we run. It's really about hoping that people can get the message of change and commitment and, uh, and hope. So I do hope you come back again. And uh, I, I can't uh, tell you how many people are going to be uh, benefiting and growing from what you've said. So, so thank you so very much. Thanks, Dr. Rob. Happy to make use of it. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.